54 of the Lisbon Society podcast. My name is Paul, and joining me as always is Rob. What's up, man? Hey, what's poppin'? Today we're having, you may know him as Patrick Fixie King on Instagram. Hey, Patrick. Hey, what's up? How's it going? Good. Good to have you. Yeah, it's good to have you, man. Good to be here. Talking about fixies, track bike, etc. Uh, we talked about something completely different, actually. We talked about um, Mash new mountain bike frame and some other stuff into the pre-show. Uh, if you want to hear more uh, all about that, then you should listen to the pre-show. You can access the extended conversation at patreon.com slash podcast. Uh, by the way, lot of lots of new Patreons recently. I uh, thank you guys for your support. But let's get into the show. Well, Patrick, it's it's I think like eleven a.m. for you, something like that. So I guess it's a good morning for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, morning time. Just hit eleven thirty right now, over here in San Francisco. Uh, San Francisco, the face gear mecca. Well, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> center, of the, center of all of our worlds. Exactly. Where it all begins and where it all ends. Uh, it's really nice to have you on the show, man. Uh, yeah, man. So, most of people know you at Patrick Fixed King on Instagram, but for the one who don't know, could you quickly introduce yourself? Yeah. No, I'm Patrick. Um, yeah, Patrick Fixie King on Instagram. I live here in San Francisco. Um, you know, do a lot of riding, have a lot of bikes, uh, all fixed gear. And our main thing, I host a lot of group rides. So always doing rides out here in San Francisco events and, uh, you know, always just trying to get more people riding. And uh, we have lots of nice riding to do out here. So I love introducing people to kind of uh, all the different terrain we have out here. Yeah, I've seen like a lot of your rides and we're going to get into that just a little bit later cool um can you give us the kind of origin story on on how you get into bikes yeah um definitely so i started riding uh fixed gear about 14 years ago when i was 16 years old um at the time i lived in sacramento california which is, isn't too far from San Francisco, uh, about an hour and a half to two hours away. That's where I grew up. Um, but yeah, I remember when, when I was a kid, I always biked, you know, nothing seriously, but just fun way to get around, hang out, um, got out of it a bit as I became a teenager. But I remember one time um, when I was a teenager, I was actually really into collecting uh, Nikes, like Nike SB Dunks. Okay. Um, so I had a, a good collection of those. And uh I remember one point my friend, he just had a fixed gear as a conversion, like, you know, a really crappy, heavy old conversion, but I rode on it and I was like, oh man, this is so fun. So I started thinking I want to get one of those and I, I kind of got into it and I was looking at, you know, track bikes and stuff. It kind of re reminded me of Nikes in a way, you know, like mm. just the collecting aspect yeah. and all the different styles and everything. And I remember at one point I just went all in, I sold all my shoes and I was like, this is such a better hobby. Cause what are you going to do with shoes? You know, you just have them, but 
uh, <laughs> but bikes, you can ride them. So I sold yeah. all my shoes. And from that point on, I was just into fixed gears and that's where it got started. And I just kept riding ever since I was 16. Okay. Sick. Wow. That's yeah. quite the story. You collected trainers before. On what kind of level did you collect trainers? Like, cause uh, I see how much you collect bikes. So I would imagine your, your, your trainer collection was insane, right? Yeah. I mean, same level. So I was pretty at the time, you know, before Instagram and social media and stuff, everyone was on like online forums, you know? So I was on like all the shoe forums. There was like Nike talk, ISS forums. Uh, I was like really into all those forums. So I was doing the same thing I do now when I was a teenager, buying shoes, selling shoes, shipping them online and yeah I had a big collection I mean for people who are familiar with Nike SBs I had I had all the heat you know Tiffany's uh <laughs> Futuras uh Jedi's all that stuff I had a big collection and it's funny because you know lately I've been looking back I remember spending like four hundred dollars on those shoes when I was a kid and I'm looking at some of them now and they're worth like you know twenty five hundred dollars so I'm like man Shit. maybe I should have kept some of them but no it's all good yeah. <laughs> bikes I like bikes better uh pat rick you've got on your page i I recently checked out the track.lab the yeah uh what can you tell me a bit about that and how that came about yeah so i mean uh i just within having a lot of bikes i also end up kind of selling a lot of parts a lot so i would always just kind of sell parts through my stories on my page Mm -hmm. and um then i had a lot of people start you know messaging me or to ask if I could help them sell their stuff or post it for them or, uh, you know, people just tagging me in their stories, trying to sell parts. Um, so at a certain point I thought I realized like I should just kind of have a separate page for this just to, you know, kind of keep it off my main page. And also just to kind of try to make a page where I feel like people could, you know, kind of find good track bike parts and also sell theirs. So that's kind of how I started that page. And what I've been using it for is, yeah, you know, my own personal page of selling stuff I have, as well as uh, posting stuff for other people. So um, just kind of the goal with that was try to make a page. I mean, there's a lot of pages like this, again, that exist on Instagram for shoes. Um, my goal mm. was just kind of try to follow that same style, but do it for uh, bike parts. Yeah, I mean, yeah. pretty much just track bike parts, but obviously, you know, certain things like handlebar saddles can be used for any yeah, bike, yeah, but... Yeah just yeah. kind of nice parts in general. So I've been so, running that page. It's been kind of fun to do as well. Track lab. Nice name as well, man. Oh yeah. No, I actually, I had the idea a long time ago, but I never really, I guess had the time to put into it or got it to work the way I want. But lately I've just kind of spent a bit more time on it. So it's been going pretty well. Yeah. Ooh, I guess you good. have more time to on your hands right now that, your collarbone is broken. You're stuck at yeah, home. Yeah, exactly. No, yeah. yeah, stuck at home thinking about bikes, but not riding bikes. <laughs> Dude, that's the worst. It's like when we all when we were all inside because of COVID and, and everything that went uh, at the same time. I feel like mm-hmm. everybody was on eBay. Like, yeah, people were uh. just hungry for <laughs> for bike parts. <laughs> Oh, yeah. So, I mean, I have like, even now I have a morning, I mean, I do it multiple times throughout the day of a morning ritual. I go on eBay, I have saved searches, Craigslist, Facebook Marketplace. I have like a few searches that should turn up anything, you know, always looking for what's new uh, locally and then on eBay and then just kind of uh, 
you know, if there's deals, I reach, try to buy the stuff. So I also, another goal I have too with that is just trying to like, especially if stuff isn't local I like, and I see a good deal or mm-hmm. like, you know, rare frame or something, I like to buy it and then kind of bring it into our, uh, our community yeah. here yeah, in San yeah, Francisco, yeah. just so, you know, the other people the family. see the deal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> It's always nice to sell something to someone you know as well, and you know it's going to be ridden, and you yeah, know where uh-huh. it's going. And yeah, even then, seeing that mm-hmm. bike again is, or seeing that part again on someone else's bike is always great. I think. Yeah, or even just to someone you know, if you have like a rare bike, and there's someone who's been looking for that frame forever, you know, if you can help them get it, that's always good too. Because I know that feeling of finally finding something you've been looking for. <laughs> oh, dude, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I mean. Sometimes you're like looking for ages for a bike and it just doesn't pop up, you know, like you've been looking <clears throat> everywhere, like even through Instagram hashtags, asking people, yeah. getting into their DMs it's, and shit. <laughs> and then one day you're just casually at a group ride and the guy pops up and he has the exact bike you want. And you're like, oh, would you mind selling that? Selling that. <laughs> yeah. And, and I don't know. I feel like one time out of two, it, it's either like, nah, man, it's like, it's my precious beauty, you know, like it's my thing. I'm like, okay. Or either it's that, either it's like, oh yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't mind. I was thinking about getting new, <laughs> something new. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you can actually buy super easy. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, that that's always the best. I have noticed too, at least around here with the COVID, a lot of people kind of um, that say, you know, maybe used to ride track bikes 10 years ago, five years ago kind of stopped they had a a nice build kind of from that era and then they picked it back up during um you know covid as a hobby to do and uh so i've been seeing you know a lot of people where it's like i've never seen you before but you know they might be out on like a cannondale track or just an old gt or something and you're like oh who is this and they're like oh you know i built and you can tell by the build it looks like maybe it was built like 10 years ago and never changed but they're like oh yeah i've had it in my garage i just pulled it out and you're like oh it's always fun to see that, you know, you think, you know, everyone around who has the nice bike and then someone just pops up with something that you've never seen before. <laughs> and then you what don't. You're, you're, you're quite heavily into the community out there. How, how is it? How is it for you? And, and how does it feel to be part of such a good community in fixed gear? Oh, yeah, no, it's cool. I mean, um, I always since I was young, you know, before when I was just starting and uh, there's people kind of doing this you know, doing, I would say what I'm doing now, like putting on events, putting on rides for everyone to show up to. So it kind of just felt, uh, you know, like that's always what I've been a part of. So, you know, as I got older and wasn't the kid anymore and, uh, I just felt like I should do the same thing, you know, keep it going. So, um, I, you know, and plus I've ridden a lot of routes out here and stuff, and I know it can be like, uh, people want to ride, they want to ride far say, but it's kind of intimidating if you don't know, what routes, especially on a fixed gear, you know, there's, there's certain routes that like road bikers will do that, you know, might not be the best for a fixed gear to do, you mm-hmm. know, depending on the Hills and whatnot. So I think it's always just easy for me, you know, if I know the route to just share it mm-hmm. with more people. Mm-hmm. And I always enjoy seeing people go out there and it's like, you know, they, they maybe lived in the Bay area their whole life and have never been to that certain spot. That's not that's that far right. outside of the city. Yeah. So that's a good feeling. And the other part about here too is that I think about San Francisco specifically is kind of all the different kind of bike groups there are, you know, fixed gears, the different kind of people within fixed gear, uh, bike messengers, road bikers, they all kind of get along well. So 
Um, and other, other places, I feel like sometimes they don't all get along, so they don't really do the same events or do the same rides. But here, it's everyone kind of just shares the same goal of like riding and enjoying the time riding. So nice. I think that's what's cool about here, and that's what makes us have even bigger groups kind of show mm -hmm. up to our events. How, how, what kind of distance do you normally do on a ride? Or does it depend? Yeah, it just depends. So usually, I mean, we, uh, me and a couple friends, we host our like once a month yeah, group that, rides yeah. that we call the PKE Fixed Kings Expeditions. Um, I mean, yeah. usually we shoot for, depending on how many hills there are, we usually shoot for like 40 to 60 miles, um, uh, okay. which I don't know the, the kilometers. It's around like sorry. 60 miles is around 100K. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we usually shoot for around that, but, um, if I'm riding, you know, not with a group or just with a smaller group of friends where I'm not necessarily having to lead them, well, we might be doing, you know, uh, 80 to a hundred mm. mile rides. So, um, okay. I, I like distance. That's kind of my thing. I, I like distance and I like climbing hills. So, um, I, I always enjoy doing a lot of miles when I can. I love a hill climb. Just, yeah. When you're yeah. feeling strong and you're feeling fit and you just beast up a hill. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. No, and it's always fun too when you're doing it next to people on road bikes and they're just kind of looking at you like <laughs> they thought they were having a hard time and they see you and it just makes them feel like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, you, I mean, so you do like the, the regular ride, right? But you also have a special ride for St. Patrick's Day. Oh that yeah, also yeah. So happens to be on your birthday, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I kind of do. So like I mentioned, we do uh, once a month group rides where we do the bigger miles. But um, I also do like Thursday night rides. So and the Thursday night rides are just um, within the city. So usually anywhere from like fifteen to twenty miles tops, or maybe even less. But we're just riding around the city of San Francisco and it's usually like an evening ride. We'll meet at like six or 7 PM and just ride for an hour or two. Um, so I usually do those from like a uh, March till about November. And then I take a break during the winter time just cause it's, you know, really dark and not always the best weather. So it's not always the best time to be leading a, a group out to ride. Um, but yeah, no. So this, this year it kind of worked out perfectly. The, the first day I was going to start the ride, was, the Thursday I was going to start the ride happened to be St. Patrick's Day, which happened to be my birthday. So I had a whole route planned for the birthday, for the starting of the Thursday night rides. And, uh, you know, of course, six days before I fall and break my collarbone. So <laughs> the ride went on and I just didn't get to join it. But luckily, oh, you know, no I have way. a lot of friends that are still here to host it for me. So yeah. it worked out. <laughs> Um, you should have told them they can't ride. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, ride. <laughs> yeah. I also had a broken collarbone last year for my birthday as well, too. Oh, so yeah. my friends this year said next year, you just, we're just going to, you know, protect you whenever you ride in March, <laughs> we'll just make sure you don't fall. You got to at least last till your birthday. <laughs> Who came up? Did you do your logo? I love it. So, so I actually, the, um, I did not do it. I don't have any skills around graphic design like that. Um, it was actually done by Anthony Ferretto. He's in a, the East Coast. Um, mm -hmm. He does some work for other uh, bike events and things, especially going on in New York. Uh, 
like some track or die uh, type mm. events and things. But I always liked his his style. Um, but I just had the idea for the logo. I have a a tri spoke that had the threading in the front, so I, I put a cog on it, and then um, so I had like a front wheel tri spoke that had a cog threaded on it. And then another friend was like, you should put a chain around the cog just because. Yeah. So I did that. And then I kind of looked at it. I was like, oh, just put a crown over it. And that's the logo right there. Oh, so sick, that, that was kind of how that came about. <laughs> so you did the the, the the cog and the chain on your front wheel before you came up with the logo. Yeah, exactly. That ah, kind of uh, okay. gave me the idea for the logo. I mean, that makes more sense than doing it the other way. But yeah, yeah, I like it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And it must, is it quite satisfying when it turns? Because it's like, it's a little bit longer. So it loops over itself at some point, right? Yeah, exactly. That was the idea too, to not make yeah. it like perfectly fit around the cog, yeah. just have a little bit so it spins. But it's funny, it actually makes a pretty bad sound when you're riding. <laughs> uh, I've, gotten, I've gotten used to it, but like people who don't know will ride next to me and they'll be freaking out like, what's wrong with your bike? Because <laughs> like, it sounds like my bike has a, something really bad going on with it. I'm like, oh, it's just the the cog and chain on the front wheel. They're like, ah, okay. <laughs> and, and like, above all, you went to town onto this one because it's like, I think it's a Euro Asia gold and you have, yeah. a, <laughs> and you have like a, a good chain on it too. Yeah, the super toughness. Yeah. <laughs> It's like I could have put a random cog, you know, like out of my uh, parts bin box, but no, it's Euro Asia yeah. gold pristine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, love it. Yeah, I had to yeah. Uh, had to do it, do it right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like yeah, pushing, pushing. Sorry, Rob. No, no, no. Yeah, I I've always had cheap cogs, and the first Phil Wood one I ever had, I just run into the ground so much that it was like worse than my other ones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Sorry, Paul. Yeah, cool. No, no, no problem. So that's a pretty neat detail, and uh, so I want to talk about details because it looks like you are all about little details into your yeah. build. No stones left unturned. What's up with that? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. So it wasn't, I mean, when I was first starting writing, I, I wasn't always like that just because I would say when I only had one bike to ride, you know, I, I just needed it to be set up. So if I couldn't get a, a certain part that I wanted or needed, you know, I couldn't not be biking. But as mm -hmm. soon as I kind of had like one bike fully set up, and I just kind of started building more bikes. I, I realized, you know, I don't want to uh, build it or ride it until I have it exactly how I want it. I was kind of always just like build it, build it one time the way I want, even if it takes longer. Um, and then just never change, never have to change anything ever again, you know. So mm -hmm. as long as I always have one one bike running, which I did, I could take time on the the other builds, you know, to just get them perfect. So. Yeah, I don't know. It's just kind of always been the, the way I am with that. It's just like, again, build it, build it right the first time. And then, it, you know, once that's done, the only thing I'll ever have to change is tires or grips, you know, the stuff that wears out. But yeah. uh, especially, you know, like wheels, when you're building wheels, it's like you don't want to, if you, there's one part you do want, you don't want to uh, skimp out because, you know, then you're, you're not going to want to rebuild the wheel or buy a different yeah. part later. So that's just kind of always been the way way i, I have it. stuff but yeah yeah 
I hate not. Ha- I hate having a couple of bikes and then one is just missing something, and you don't ride that bike because I want to be able to jump on every bike and it be ready and ride differently and have its own little build. Yeah, so I just, also too. I hate. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to swap parts between bikes. Like have a frame Pedals. that I have to take the wheels off the other frame. You know. Oh yeah, man. That's 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 just. Totally get that. It's so yeah. annoying. I don't I, like. I hate changing parts, and I and and even taking parts on and off just strips it and just kind of wears it much faster than what it needs to be. Yeah, you know? not exactly. So, no, I hate putting pedals on and off bikes or whatnot. Like, yeah, yeah, I much prefer to go, right, I want to take that bike out today because the weather's like this. I'm going in this direction. I'm going to go on that kind of road or whatever. Yeah. But I like your attention to detail so much, man. I mean, you're really going to the next level now. Yeah. Uh, Choosing colorways and components. Yeah, the builds look so dope, bro. Yeah, no, sometimes, I mean, I even, there'll be like a certain part, you know, that I like. And it's like I might build a whole bike around around one part yeah. <laughs> without yeah, even having the frame yet. Blue one-inch uh, Chris King headset for like a year, not longer, like a year and a half. And I tried to build two bikes around it and failed because it was an unthreaded one. So it's like a one inch, uh, a one inch threadless. Yeah, that's yeah. tricky. Yeah, exactly. And so I tried a few different builds, and it just didn't work. And the builds came apart in the end. And I just gave away the headset because I was like, I'm not destined to build this headset. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and my friend really appreciated it, and it went straight onto his bike perfectly. So that's crazy. always nice too. Yeah. If yeah. someone else would like it more than you, you know, it's better that they have it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Can we talk about your C track? Yeah, can yeah. we talk about the all green, green, green oh sea track? Yeah. How did you do that? <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. I, uh, that, let's see, that was, I think that was, yeah, the, that was the second track bike I built. So I had my green mm. and white, the Mastinelli. Mm. Uh, and at the time, I also had a road bike that, um, it was a decent road bike. It wasn't super nice or anything, but it was cool. But um, I never really rode it because I was like, if I if I'm riding, I'm gonna f- pick my track bike. So I was like, uh, you know what? I'm gonna sell it because I'd always wanted the green Cannondale because yeah. you know I like green. So <laughs> I, I like yeah. frames that comes like come stock green. I'm not really into like uh, getting stuff painted myself. I like when the manufacturer makes it green. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's like the ultimate green bike. So I always liked that frame. And I was like, I want to get one of those. So I sold the road bike to buy the frame. And then I just built it from there. And then I don't know. I, I If you look back, I've had a bunch of different, um, like, builds of it. And I, I was riding it. And then eventually I was just kind of like, you know what? I want to just go all green on it. <laughs> just make it the greenest, greenest green bike there is. But it's funny. I actually had two different ones so um the first one i got the cannondale it didn't have the stock fork so i had a wound up fork on it um but it always just kind of bothered me because i really wanted one with the stock fork uh i don't know i like the stock fork on the cannondale i think it looks cool i love it yeah yeah so i actually got i got the frame from uh kenji he lives in uh, nyc kenji he lives in new york on instagram yeah. yeah so I got the first frame from him and it wasn't in bad condition, but it wasn't like uh, pristine. And then it didn't have the the stock fork. And then 
It was also a little small, <clears throat> a little small for me, but it was kind of just one of those things where I like, I really wanted one and that was the only one available at the time. So I got it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had it for maybe about a year or maybe even two years. And then later he had like a pristine one that was a size bigger with the stock fork. Mm-hmm. So I was like, man, I, I'm just going to sell this one and put the money towards buying the other one he has. And then it actually, I kind of told him that like, Hey, I want that one. I'm going to sell the one you already gave me. And then it actually worked out. He was like, I actually want a smaller size one and I want it to be more beat up because I feel like I never want to ride this one because it's too nice. And he was like, I actually prefer it with a wound up. So I ended up giving him that one back and then kind of like getting the, the size up with the stock fork one from him. So it was kind of like a whole two-year process, I would say. And then once I got the, uh, the, um, the second one with the stock fork and it didn't have the wound up anymore, I was like, now, now I'm going to go all green on now it. I'm so, gonna go all green, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then exactly. So, I mean, getting the green seat post stem and the nitto parts, not too hard. Um, but the but cranks, that, dude, the that cranks. The cranks, yeah. So... Though I and I've never seen the green Sugino 75s pop no. up like ever. That's the only pair I've seen, you know, ever since a really long time ago when you could just get them. But I'm always <laughs> looking for another pair. But yeah, I had a friend in Sacramento that I knew since I was young, and she just happened to have them never used, and she sold them to me. So I got really lucky with that. And then the the wheels. I was at a bike swap here in San Francisco, and it's just like these old velocity rims that the green matches perfectly and mm-hmm. this guy was just selling them complete for two hundred dollars so i was like oh that's perfect they were laced to different hubs but i, I just got them relaced because i was like those rims are perfect and yeah no it just kind of all worked out and then a lot of people will say because uh, i don't have green hubs on it i have the carbon suzus and i don't mm-hmm. have like a green pedals or green saddle but that's kind of on purpose there's yeah. certain things I didn't want to be green. Yeah. I didn't want it to be 100% green. <laughs> it is still so, so, very green. So, yeah. so the, the, the stem, the Nito stem and the seat post and stuff, that is actually manufactured green. Yeah, huh? they made it that color. And some of those parts, uh, you can actually, if you go on Retrogression, it's kind of a popular site here in the USA, at least there in Portland. They have like a pretty good stock of a bunch of anodized nitto parts still. So oh, wow. it's not cheap, but you could just but, buy them brand new from yeah, them. Okay. So I think I got the C post and stem from them. Uh, the other part was I have the green, they made the, um, what is it? The nitto B123 track drops, the really deep ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have those in green too, but they're pretty uncomfortable to actually ride. Yeah, they're So to ride. Yeah. I was always looking for a nitto, also made the, um, the risers in green too but that was the one part i've never been able to find and then uh i i had even gotten i bought them from a shop in a london actually online it was like velodrome shop but uh i ordered them they shipped them and they just never came it was like lost in the mail they gave me a refund and then they were they told me that was also the last pair so i couldn't order another pair and i've never been able to find them since but then one day craigslist here on a locally like a local for sale online uh just a random pair of green riser bars that match perfectly like no name brand popped up for 20 bucks so i was like oh that's perfect too yeah do you have a craigslist save search where it's just anodized green (laughs) no not i have save searches not for that i have ebay search for 
uh, Nito Green, but that never pops up. But uh, <laughs> a friend actually just sent me some people just tend to send me random green parts for sale because they know I like green. So <laughs> someone just sent me those bars. And then I was like, and they're 20 bucks. And I was like, okay, perfect. Because I wanted risers because the drops, like I said, they're not actually that comfortable to ride. <laughs> and obviously the Chris King headset just fits in there nicely, doesn't it? Yeah, the, actually it was kind of a crazy story how I got that green Chris King headset. So I don't know if you know about the um, Chris King made a titanium one inch mm-hmm. headset. Yep. Uh, yeah, they're they're super, I mean, they pop up on eBay every so often, but they're just really expensive. Like five, I've seen them like $700, $500. And uh, I had one of those on the bike just because I, re- that was, again, that was kind of one of those parts where I was like, I built a frame just around that part. Yeah. But it didn't really match because it was the only silver thing, but it was just cool to have that part. And then um, later on out of nowhere, this guy, is built this guy kind of local he's building a blue cannondale track and his thing he's kind of getting all these titanium parts you know mm-hmm. so he has like a titanium c post I, I don't know he just had a lot of titanium parts and that what he had bought a titanium how to swan the njs headset oh shit um but i guess i forget what for whatever reason it didn't work on the the cannondale because it's uh, the sizing of it or something yeah because the hara is too small for the candle yes exactly so he he didn't know that and it was like he was this guy he was like building his dream build cannondale with titanium parts he was like making a video of it and it was one of those things he's like at the shop building it and they put the headset in and they're like they find out it doesn't work you know so mm-hmm. this dude is like trying to find a titanium chris king trying to find one so he hits me up. He's like, you know, will you sell yours? And I'm like, look, I'm not really looking to sell it. And if I take it off, I just won't have a headset, you know? Yeah. And uh, so he's like, he's offering me like, you know, offer you this much, 500, 600. And I'm like, I'm like, uh, really, I'm not trying to sell it. And then finally he offers me or a crazy amount. And I was like, look, I'll only sell it if I can get a, um, a green uh yeah. chris king threaded headset and those are also hard to find so i was like I, i'll just have no bike until i can find that headset and then he ended up somehow finding one so and it was brand new so he bought that and gave me a bunch of cash on top of the that headset so i was like uh and then in the end i thought it looked a lot better anyways and i got money for it too so it worked out crazy yeah i think that was probably one of the only people i've ever met who's done crazier stuff for a build than me <laughs> <laughs> But I could understand it, you know. <laughs> yeah, I think the blue with titanium parts would also look super nice. Yeah, it? no, his yeah. his build was great, and I understood. It's like he didn't want to build the bike with just whatever headset. Yeah. He was set on getting a titanium headset, so he got it. <laughs> the titanium uh, rails on your saddle look really good in that in in the seat post as well in the green seat post. It's oh really yeah, nice. yeah, yeah. No, it works good. It looks really good. Yeah. That's something that I never really quite understand with the titanium crisking is why is it so different than a normal crisking, you know? Like you have no logo on I think it's the lower cup. Yeah, uh-huh, no logo, yeah. And the upper cup, I mean, now they do it, but before having like kind of the logo with the lines inside was only on the titanium. Uh, and after they did it on like regular, I think like the, the kind of matte, uh, versions. Um, but yeah, I, 
I grabbed one. I think it's my best ever bargain. I grabbed one uh, for 130 bucks. Oh, that's yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's a that's in one one eight though. But it's oh, for, okay, yeah, the one in one eight. Yeah, yeah, it is for um, uh, it's for a build that I plan to do. I don't know, one day maybe. <laughs> but yeah, I was like, yeah, yeah, like why is there no? You know, I was like, oh, Christian titanium looks so sick. I'm gonna put it backward because I don't know, I like it. And then I see mm-hmm. no logo on the bottom cup. I'm like. Fuck you. You are you serious. Yeah. No, I remember when I saw that too, I had to like look at a bunch of pictures online to make sure I wasn't getting some like, you know, fake scam yeah. or something. Oh, and the then, expert. yeah. Yeah. Cause this guy that I was just talking about, I had to tell him that too. I was like, yo, look, it doesn't have a logo. And, you know, he did the same thing. He's like, are you sure? Like, is that right? And he had to look it up too. And I was like, yeah, no, it's weird like that. Yeah. I was, I was really obsessed with that part for a little bit for a while. But then after I sold it, I kind of just gave up on it. And I was like, I, I don't, unless I got one, like you said, for a really good deal. Yeah. I don't think I need that part again. It's just a weird, rare part. <laughs> I mean, you definitely have some heat though. I'm thinking about, I don't know, like those Brooklyn Mashion Works pedals or the wound up seat post or like, you know, like little details yeah. that nobody will think of. And if you don't, if you're not deep into the hobby, you're like, oh yeah, those are pedals. But if mm-hmm. you're into it, you're like, holy shit, that guy's rules. <laughs> yeah, that's what, yeah, I like those kind of parts, you know, that if you know, you know, kind of stuff. Yeah, I get that. <laughs> um. Okay, so quite a generic question, uh, but we always ask that on the show, is do you have any favorite bike slash frames? Anything that just hits different for you? Yeah, no, I mean, to be honest, I, out of the, the, the way I ride and the, the way I like my bikes, the MASH AC2 is, is the best bike I have. Uh, we kind of talked about, I think earlier, but you know, it's yeah. like the, the bike I travel with, uh, it's the one I feel the most comfortable on doing like riding places I've never ridden before. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm just think, yeah, no, it has to be that one. And I mean, when, um, so yeah, when I built that bike, I built it to replace the Chinelli mash I had, which was mm. before I built the AC2, that was the bike that was like my number one bike, do everything on. Um, but that bike, it just felt kind of the Chinelli, at least it started to feel worn out. Like even if I took it all apart, cleaned it, you know, gave it a tune up, it still didn't feel quite like how it used to feel. Um, so then I built the AC2 and it just felt like a big upgrade on that, but I don't know. It's kind of like a, I, I feel like too, with the AC2, I mean, it's still a, a nice build and everything, but in a way I feel like it's a, it's replaceable if something was to happen. Whereas like, you know, the, the Cannondale, if, if something happened on that, yeah. I couldn't it's, really just replace it. Yeah. Um, so I kind of like having that, that feeling of just like, uh, something, I don't know. It's like everyday bike, you know, just to, to bomb Hills on, to ride dirt on, to travel on, to, get it dirty you know if it gets scratched and stuff that that's kind of the point of it i'm not really too worried about it on that bike but it definitely would be kind of my uh i guess my number one bike i would say is the the ac2 frame set or anything that you haven't had in your collection yet that you'd like to have in your collection that's a good question yeah so the the only one that i've always wanted that i haven't had is like the the bmc uh you know like the original bmc track the white one um 
I always wanted that one, but and I've I've had a couple chances to buy one lately, but it's just really expensive, like more than I'd want to pay. And yeah. uh, I also too like other other frames that I've always wanted. I I, I have an idea of exactly how I would build them. And for some reason, that bike, it's like, if I got the frame, I don't really know how I would build it. That's an interesting feeling. Mm. <laughs> yeah. But the, when, you, when you're saying the white one, you mean the polished one or the white one? Uh, what is it? Like the TR01 or the, something? It's, oh, you, the, the carbon one. Yeah, it's got like the yeah, weird yeah. skeleton oh, look yeah, at, yeah, the, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. at like the seat post and stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was thinking about the the old aluminum one, but yeah, the carbon one is sick. I've seen like a few a few popping around uh just on social medias recently, but yeah, they are expensive. Yeah, they're just a lot and I mean it just also too it's like old carbon, so uh, mm. I would get one if the deal was all right, but I don't want to spend a ton of money on one. <laughs> yeah. Apparently they uh that's a neat detail, but I saw a last time I saw one. Apparently uh they came with an eastern seat post um oh, and yeah, the uh-huh. the the carbon weave on the seat post is the exact same as the carbon weave of the frame it's like oh, so completely it the same yeah it matched completely that's cool that's pretty cool were they built for each other or was it just that was just something that eastern had done the same i couldn't pattern. tell you but i mean it was yeah, I heard that they were sold together, you know, as mm-hmm. a complete. So I guess, I mean, maybe it's also part of the development process. Also, Easton was involved with a lot of manufacturers uh, about carbon, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like early days of carbons, people usually went to other manufacturers that knew better until they actually, you know, like get the thing right. It's like I I learned like a few years ago, you know, the Karima Bora, the first ever generation of the Bora was their green logo. Yeah. Um, those were manufactured by Karima. Uh, and if you buy a Karima from that era and you compare it to a Bora, it is the exact same wheel with less holes. That's just the exact same wheel. Huh. Yeah, so someone they have someone else make it for them. Yeah. There's been a lot of that actually in the bike industry if you look into details, history and stuff. And it's interesting how you know like sometimes um just manufacturer will not steal from each other, you know, because there's always a partnership, but it's more like, "Oh, that's yours. You made this? Okay, I made this." Yeah, it's more just selling the brand name. Yeah yeah um also recently i learned that the brand look started as a pure um uh communication scheme like it wasn't Mm. supposed to be a successful bike brand it was supposed to be a one and done (laughs) so really that yeah that's funny Uh, because it was made but i don't remember his name but it's the guy that owned like all the big brands at uh, one point you know like viton and hermes and all those all those big brands. oh and, yeah yeah and because uh at that time rich people were into uh bikes yeah um he was like yeah i'm gonna make my bike company and he just had asked another manufacturer to do bikes for him he put a logo on it 
and it was never supposed to be what it became today. <laughs> That's weird. Yeah, I didn't know that. No, interesting. A lot of weird stories. Um, <laughs> I have one more question. Mm-hmm. Can you give us, I don't know, like maybe a little insight on what's your next big project then? Hmm. Yeah, next big project. <laughs> so, wow, let's see. Well, so yeah, actually, um, let's see, what is it, March right now? So early, it's funny because a lot of people would always ask me, you know, um, just since through my Instagram stuff, like if I work at a bike shop or like if I work with bikes, you know, and I never actually did. I never have. I always just have like a a normal, regular job outside of bikes, but I just never really like my Instagram, my page is also my personal page. So it's just all bikes. Um, but I actually just like quit that job earlier this year. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I would say currently I'm like not employed, but, uh, (laughs) hopefully, you know, my next big project is to like work with bikes, but, um, you know, in my own way, not necessarily like go to work for a bike company. Um, so, yeah, no, I've just been looking into ways to do that. Um, but definitely I would say just in a small part, you know, we kind of talked about the other page I was running earlier, Track Lab. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So within that too, I've been, well, I was starting to actually, you know, not only just sell people parts, parts but like kind of build build their bikes for people, you know, people that mm. don't have tools or like people that are just kind of buying parts but new to the scene so they don't really know how to work on them, but their bikes themselves. I have oh, all the tools together. and all that stuff. Yeah. So it's easy for me to do it. So I was actually starting to do that, right? But, you know, then I broke my collarbone. So I kind of putting it on the uh, the back burner for a little bit since I can't really, like, wrench nice on a bike project, right yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, it's a nice, uh, nice concept. Yeah, but so, because it, it's funny. The, the one thing about San Francisco is, like, we have a really big scene and a lot of people who ride. But, um, I mean, besides MASH, we don't really have any bike shops here that are, like, um, you know, like, for for the scene really mm-hmm. um you know you travel to or at least when i travel to other cities and places new york um you know even like portland here or places in london it's like there's shops to visit you know like a destination shop that you want to go visit you want to maybe buy a shirt or like they might have some rare parts you don't normally see uh we don't really have shops like that here in san francisco we do have mash but the thing is um he's not really open anymore like uh you know, they're releasing frames, they're selling online, but you can't really go visit the shop anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just kind of, you know, we have people come visit San Francisco and they're like, where, where should I go? What should I check out? And then we're just kind of like, uh, there's not really anywhere to visit. There's not really any, like, I would say, you know, center for everything. Like, uh, we don't really have a, a hangout spot for, to meet up for a ride or after a ride. So, you know, I've just been, uh, thinking of ways to kind of get towards building something like that here. So that's kind of, um, yeah. you know, starting with literally, I'm just have bikes in my apartment working on them in our extra yeah. room. But, uh, you know, I want to start looking for maybe a smaller space to do that. That isn't my house that people could come through. And then maybe, you know, eventually a, a bigger space clubhouse or something like that sort of deal. Nice. I think, yeah, a lot in 2008 or 2010 when the scene was quite big in its first round, you know, a lot of shops popped up then and a lot of bike shops specialized in fixed gear, but it, it, it's di- the, the shop side of things is for fixed gear communities definitely a lot less than what it used to be, I think. 
not not that many left really that you go to a specific shop for fixed gear yeah i definitely um when i was starting writing and growing up in sacramento we i i like grew up in a shop we had a shop there it was called pedal hard and uh it was like a homie who <laughs> yeah a homie who owned it but you know when we were kids we, we were there all day every day like if we weren't biking we were hanging out there and he would work on our bikes that's where we learned how to work on bikes you know he was nice enough to us that he would order us uh, parts and we would just pay cost, you know? So that was nice. also too, when we were younger, how we were able to build nice bikes. Cause we always kind of had connects through like bike shops. So, uh, mm. you know, I'm used to that. So that, that's yeah. kind of like, I, I would like to have a spot like that too, you know, same thing, just to, you know, kind of like a central spot. Um, and again, like I was saying, uh, San Francisco, it's like, as far as rides go and events go and people riding, we have that side of everything down, but we just don't really have the the central hub bike and shop. You need to build it, build it, it, and it will come. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, a good, it's a really good idea. I think having, a, like I said earlier, like the, the pirates here in London have a spot, and it's you know it's become quite quickly a fixed gear spot, and it's nice that you know you can swing by and see. It's not a shop or anything, um, but I think it. I think that kind of thing can definitely work these days, especially if you combine it with other stuff. Mm -hmm. yeah 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 because that's kind of to make it in a way you know not necessarily like a, a bike shop where we're you know taking exactly. service orders and doing tune-ups with more of yeah you know a, it could be a studio or it could be uh yeah, yeah. exact yeah you know coffee shop non-traditional yeah exactly non-traditional shop in terms of it can be a bit flexible i like yeah. that idea yeah so yeah <laughs> you know sl slowly working on that i think is my uh next next kind of big project and as I've been traveling, I've just been visiting different shops in different cities just to kind of get ideas. I mean, uh, in Los Angeles down there, there's a there's a few really cool places to visit, like Golden Saddle Cyclery and also the the Cub House. It's like Team Dream. It's not a bike mm. shop. That's a real cool place. Uh, I was in New York last month, and uh, I just I have a friend who opened a shop out there recently called Eighth Hour. You know, there's King Cog over there. Uh, yeah. I also just visited another newer shop or at least it was new to me called tuned by that they're just like working on really nice bikes so just been like you know trying to see how other people are doing in different cities and how it's working and just kind of what the right mix of that would be for me and for uh san francisco sick sick that's pretty cool i feel like everybody wants to open a bike shop until you actually learn that you have to service that 20 years old bike used by a mom <laughs> yeah. that never pumped a tire up and it's just crusty uh, of rust yeah. and, and just like yeah can you replace that and you're like uh sure i can do that <laughs> yeah whatever yeah. aspect i do it, it would not i would make it not involve doing that <laughs> it's the yeah. worst thing about working in a bike shop fixing all the horrible dirty old bikes i love actually mechanic the side of fixing bikes i love it but if it was just nice fixies all day and yeah. putting nice bikes together and, and just, you know, taking them apart and putting them back together so they run smooth, fresh grease, everything, all of that's nice. Yeah. And the bike's yeah. nice. But when it's a cruddy old, uh, horrible bike. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I honestly don't know how to work on brakes or gears. So, and I don't yeah, really have a plan to learn it. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good yeah. point. Yeah. Okay. It's a pretty, it's a really, really good project. Uh, I dig that. Thanks, I'm sure yeah. you're into that vibe, Paul. What? 
I'm sure you're into that vibe. I am definitely into that vibe. I mean, my dream is to open a bike cafe. So, yeah, yeah. I'm hundred percent into that. You know, I, yeah. I, I am. I have the really cliche of the dudes who want to open a bike cafe. Meaning, I want a coffee pot with, I don't know, like a cool barista with probably a lot of tattoos. and i want a part with a few bikes hanging on the wall people can look at them and say holy shit that's nice i want another part when you know you have some vintage and more recent parts for sale yeah and and probably a rack to put your bikes to work on or i don't know something just that people can can hang around um Mm -hmm. i feel i mean that's yeah one of my dream to be honest yeah, that's that's kind of yeah what I'm thinking of too. I mean, I really just also kind of stems from too that like I have a lot of bikes and I don't have enough room for them at my house, so I need a place for them. <laughs> yeah, the the ultimate. That that's what I think it's a guy in Taiwan who did this, or is it Taiwan? Yeah, I think so. The W Water Cafe. Yeah, huh? it's just dude, the guy has like gigantic collection. Is like, oh yeah, I'm just gonna open a coffee around it. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. it's like a a place to store your collection, and then you also have coffee on the side. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I'll ask you this question in five years' time, Patrick. Why did you open a shop again? Uh, I just didn't have any space for my. Bike. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. If we're talking about like uh bike project, Sarah, it's actually I want to share something I've been thinking a lot lately, but um you know how now like a lot of stuff we buy today, especially bike wise, is produced um in uh either in Asia or I mean, yeah, mainly in Asia, I would say Thailand, China, uh a little bit in Indonesia because Shimano has like a big facility over there. Uh, we buy a lot from uh, those places and it is fine. I mean, for me, it is fine. I have no problem with that. I also import parts, but I kind of feel that, you know, in America, you guys have, uh, you still have a lot of local knowledge, you know? Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, either like, I don't know, brands like uh, Zeep Envy, one, I think OneDub is in the US. Yeah, um, yeah uh phil hood paul yeah I mean, even here Phil's... just in yeah near yeah. me we have paul components phil wood a lot of stuff even just in california yeah and that's kind of something we don't in europe at least at least yeah. not at that scale and i don't know i just feel that i was you know like if a global pandemic happen again or just right now with the the event in um in the eastern europe mm. i was thinking about shipping some of my bikes uh from japan to france when i was over there when i'm going to be over there and they don't ship because they don't want to fly over so you know oh, and you yeah. don't know where when they're going to ship again mm-hmm. and i was like I don't know. I feel like we kind of need some, you know, like manufacturers and knowledge in Europe too. So that's also one of my goal is to kind of, I don't know. I don't know if bring people together is the good meaning for it or word for it, but we have like talented people that do CNC machining and talented people that do carbon molding. 
yeah. uh, and all that stuff. But at, at, at as right now, it's just don't work on bikes. They work on all the mm. stuff because everything you want to buy on a bike, you can buy it from Asia or from the US. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think that makes sense because, yeah, that's something I wouldn't think of here just because, like we said, yeah. I'm already around all these people who have been doing that since, you know, way out before I was born. So to start doing it all of a sudden right now, but, oh, yeah, over there, there's not really many parts coming from the eu like that if any there's not there's not yeah you could easily i mean you look at mental bmx hubs in poland latvia latvia um how many uh there's a few but i i see what you're saying there's nobody yeah it's very different yeah, yeah. There, there's yeah it's like uh well you mentioned and then also there's the mac hubs in poland Oh yeah, and then oh, Raketa, yeah. of course, but Raketa in Russia. Not really any coming from the EU, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but, definitely but... not the EU <laughs> right now. <laughs> but yeah, I've I've uh, I heard that Raketa is trying really really hard to move the entire production mm-hmm. to Europe. Yeah, really? I saw that too. Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean, kudos to them for like doing that. You know that that's a big yeah. step. Yeah, it must be like, hard for companies like that. At yeah, the moment. It must be really hard. It's like you have a small company that relies on a lot of heavy machinery, and then you need to move everything. In times like that, I mean, dude, like for real, kudos to you. Yeah, I think Harmony are struggling a bit in Ukraine at the moment for business as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, let's not get too deep into it, but yeah, yeah. Harmony. Uh, I mean. He is a really nice dude that makes awesome products, and I really hope he finds a new place to, you know, like continue making what he does. Because I feel like in the past, I don't know, like I would say two years in Europe, Harmony had have completely blow up. Yeah, you you see their hubs everywhere. Yeah, and I've, that's yeah, because we no, I haven't seen them out here too. I mean, obviously, a lot of people ride Raketa out here but harmony not too much but i've just been seeing them online um but yeah i I mean even for someone to do like what you were just mentioning to do something you know along the lines of like kind of what deluxe is doing out here yeah exactly yeah exactly yeah you have like a deluxe pair of wheels by the way on your bianchi pista concept oh we can definitely talk about that (laughs) one because oh yeah we can talk about that (laughs) it is good looking lord yeah no that was it yeah that was another frame that, that's the thing most of my builds too it was like um frames i always wanted like it's not really just like a a random a random purchase you know it's like oh this frame's cool i should build it it's like something when i started riding when i was a kid that was like those were the dream frames you know and yeah. uh but yeah the bianchi that definitely always that one but uh yeah, that I, I, that's actually a. I think that to me, that's probably the the bet. Like that was the start of like the modern, you know, aluminum mm-hmm. track frame. I would yeah. say because you know you have the Cannondale, it's aluminum, but it's still kind of more old school. But yeah, that O three Bianchi was like the. If I didn't yeah. have the mash and everything, that would probably be the bike I ride the most. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's um, good to hear because it's one of my favorite ones. Yeah. Yeah, so I really like that frame. It's a. It's a nice. I just get worried because you know they crack. They crack so easily. The uh, C post clamp. Yeah. 
that's like the the thing about them. Mine's not cracked, but I see people selling cracked ones all the time, and I just always like am worried to use mine too much because I don't want it to crack. <laughs> we need to don't step our it. game yeah. up because we always talk about the piece of concept on that podcast. None of us has one. It's literally called the Slow Spin Society podcast, and I don't own a spin either. <laughs> so I need to step up. I need I need the turquoise piece of concept in my life, definitely. Yeah, yeah I know. One. Yeah, I like the white one. Yeah, it's funny. Cause I don't haven't been seen like for a while. The O three never popped up, and I had when I got mine. I got it from a you know caspar gt track connoisseur in portland uh-huh. a couple years ago and that was like the, i really wanted one that was the only one even after i got it i never saw any pop up and then all of a sudden like uh, a few months ago there was another one so i got it just because i was like uh the guy who was selling it he wasn't really a bike person he was like a car person the collector kind of guy so again i wanted to buy the frame and try to get it to someone else that wanted to ride it so then i had two and then like a, a couple weeks ago, another one popped up for like a really good deal. It was a complete one with all campy parts that was local too. And I, I was about to go out of town like the next day. And I was like, man, I really don't need three of them. But I was, I was like, if it's still here, when I get back from being out of town, I'm going to buy it. But then it, it was funny. Then a, a, another kid I knew ended up buying it. And then he ended up, selling it to someone else locally here who had just had their bike stolen. Mm-hmm. So it kind of stayed around here. But then, and then I ended up the second frame I got, I sold it to another kid that I ride with. So now he has it built up. So it's like, it went from being like one and not seeing other to now there's like three people I know locally that all ride the, the Pista concepts. So that was cool. All, the, all in black. Yeah. All the black yeah. 2003 one, which yeah. just seems like it was like the hardest one, but now all of a sudden it's the, I don't see any whiter uh, teal ones yeah yeah by the way uh i'm gonna shamelessly plug this right now but i recorded the second uh episode of uh track by chronicles Mm -hmm. uh, and it's available on our patreon uh and i recorded it i recorded it with uh casper so uh gt track and uh Pretty good episode. Uh, if you guys want to want to look it up, it is available on our Patreon page. I'll have to have a listen. Yeah. 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 See. All right, boys. Uh, yeah. I guess this is pretty much all time I have to. I have trouble talking today, man. It is like. <sighs> we have one last question, though, as always. Um, is there anyone, Patrick, you would like to hear on the show? anyone i would like to hear huh yeah that we could get in touch with and get on the show man you know you talk to let's see you talk to willis you talk to terry those were some big ones i thought man hmm you should talk to a talk to jake brother lanich <gasps> i'd love to get not brother lanich yet. On. <laughs> what not yet not yet. yet. What do you mean, not yet? I mean, I hope to have him on the show one day. Oh yeah, I'd love to have. Jake I'll tell on him. The show. You know, that's my. Uh, that's my. Fr- We've been friends for like over ten years. We went to high school together. Oh really? Mm-hmm. Oh. He was a. Uh, he was a freshman at my high school when I was a senior. 
And I was like the only person that rode a fixed gear. And then all of a sudden there was another one and it was him. So then that's how I met him. Oh, sick. You met two fixed gear at the same high school. That's cool. Yeah. But then, so he was always like, you know, he was younger than me. So, and he would like when back way back then, you know, like over 10 years ago, he was always doing tricks. And I was yeah. just always like, man, this shit's so boring. You know, let's go bike. Let's go ride. I don't want to watch tricks in a parking lot. I'd always made, I was always bored of it. And then, you know, like here we are 10 years later. I'm like, oh, I guess that stuff was actually cool. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's like I watched him and my other friends do that, you know, way long ago. And I was just always yeah. unimpressed. But now I finally am like, okay, maybe it's impressive. <laughs> but yeah, that's my friend. I could tell him. I'll tell him to come on here. Tell Jake. Tell get Jake to get to get in touch with. Him. Well, we'll get in touch with him, but just let him know. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Let's let him know. All right, yeah. sounds like a plan. Well, guys, this is pretty much all we have time for today, and that wraps up another episode of the Slow Spin Society podcast. As usual, guys, everything we discussed today will be in the show notes on the blog slowspinsociety.com, along with the various articles and write up I post every two weeks. If you get value out of a show, why not consider putting value back in? You can visit our page, patreon.com slash podcast to join the community where pledging at any level will grant you access to the extended cut of the podcast and also what I just talked about before, some extra episodes. Special thanks goes to the 28 Patreons backing us 28? into that crazy venture. Yeah, that's that's three that's up, up from right? last that's week. Good, yeah. yeah, shit. Nice. We're in so, the big bucks now. Yeah, I mean, kind of. Expense-paid trip to San Francisco, right? Yeah, I think out. I think it represents, <laughs> after taxes, it represents around uh, $120 a month. So yeah, it pays the hosting. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> you only need to do another 10 podcasts a month. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Wow, that, that was, you know what? I'm going to start doing that. I'm going to do one on Figs Year. And one of my other passion, sleeping. There you go. You guys, uh, you should, you just need to become the the Terry Berenson of uh, podcasts, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was so cool. That guy was so cool to talk. I love talking to Terry. Terry talking to Terry was really nice. He was a really nice guy. Thanks so much, Patrick. Like, yeah, really good to, for Really me. good to chat with you, man. Really good. Yeah. As always, you can go follow Patrick at PatrickFixieKing uh at kenji.co and at underscore paul underscore you at slowspin society i think i'm not forgetting anything uh share the podcast with your friend i don't know give us a good review music is loveless window by maria the illustration is by me and that's the end of my outro <laughs> good outro <laughs> thank you uh let's go into an after show cool all right let's do that Guys, have a good one. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.